0: Good evening and welcome to Steadfast. I am so glad to be with you tonight as we continue our series, The Book of Life, looking at the culmination of Philippians chapter four. Let's do a little something different tonight as we start. Before we dig into Philippians chapter four, how about a little quiz on how well you can recognize rocks? If you think back to maybe a geology course you had to take in high school or something, can you identify this rock? It will really rock your world if you can't, I'm sure. Uh, But if you're like me, you might be looking at that and thinking, I don't know. So maybe look at the color. What does it look like? Well, it looks golden. So what could it be? I need some dramatic trivia music playing right now as we do this. Are you ready? Perhaps put your answer in the comments because I'm going to reveal what it is. Were you looking at it and thinking, ah, it's golden in color. It must be gold. Well, if you were or if you were teetering around, but I was talking about gold and I pushed you over that, you shouldn't have been listening to me because guess what that is not gold. That is pyrite. Fool's gold, as we like to call it. And if you think back to an old western movie, you've probably seen some case where some poor person accidentally was tricked into thinking they'd found a gold mine and uh, mine and he he gives everything he has to buy this gold mine and what happens oh no. This fool's gold. He misread. He, he thought, thought that he'd found something of value, and it's not. And in fact this has happened to people, and it was thought that pyrite was essentially worthless, at least compared to gold. And so if you had a pyrite mine, no one was going to get particularly excited. But apparently, and I had no idea about this, I I always thought it was kind of interesting with this whole fool's gold thing, but I had no idea that there actually is a itty-bitty trace amount of gold that scientists have known often appears in pyrite. Not enough to be worth anything, it was thought, but there was this little bit of gold. Well, let's make this even more complicated. Recently, scientists using current modern technique have realized they can extract a worthwhile amount of gold out of pyrite. That, as traditional gold mines are, are, are coming dry and, and it's harder and harder to find new places to mine gold, that they might actually be able to extract usable gold that we could use for, whether it's decorative jewelry and that sort of thing, or industrial purposes, whatever we might want gold for, that we can actually extract it from this thing known as fool's gold. Maybe those fools weren't so foolish after all. But it all comes down to misreading things. And tonight we're going to be talking about anxiousness and, and what we find ourselves anxious about. And Paul is going to challenge us in this next passage to think about what are we missing? What are we misreading in our situation that causes us to lose sight of what's of real value? And sometimes we we correct sort of like someone realizes they they, they found fool's gold and so they correct and say, well, that's cl- clearly not worth anything. And so they, they go the other direction. And oftentimes when we're anxious, we we think, well, I'm just being so foolish and we start to burden ourselves all the more or we think, well, I shouldn't worry about this at all. It must not be important. And where scripture is going to challenge us is to, to reread in a completely different way. And I think as we turn to this passage, it will provide all of us with some comfort tonight. So let's go ahead and open up God's word. Turn to Philippians chapter four, verse six. Paul says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Well, there's a lot in there and it's challenging. So let's go ahead and come before our God in prayer as we dig in tonight. Let's pray. Father, we, we come before you anxious. I would imagine every single person watching or listening tonight is anxious about something. We all bring burdens, whether they're burdens about our work or our health or, or the people around us. Maybe it's our family or our friends. We all have things that cause us to be anxious. Maybe it's what we hear on the news and the things going on in our country, and our world. Lord, it feels like we've been mining through life. And what do we find? We, we don't just find fool's gold. We find negative gold, things that just pull away from the joy of life, pull away from our focus on you, leave us wondering how in the world we're supposed to make sense of things. Lord, would you help us to refocus tonight, to reread the situation, to be encouraged by your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, what's Paul talking about here when we really think about it? Paul is talking about a challenge that we need to hold on to that, that, we need to turn to Jesus. But it starts off with this command, do not be anxious about anything. And you may be thinking to what I said just before we read it, that this was going to be a comfort to us tonight. And you think, but Tim, I'm anxious. And being told not to be anxious doesn't make me feel more at peace. It makes me feel all the more anxious because now I'm just anxious about being anxious. Now I'm just feeling convicted that I'm not faithful enough. I'm not trusting enough. What am I supposed to do? That's not what Paul's driving at though. here. And so let's dig in a little bit and and think about how we read the situation. And and that's going to start to make more sense. If we think about this first verse, verse 6, I guess Paul says, do not be anxious about anything. Then he goes on to say, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. What's he saying there? He, he's saying that we need to redirect what we do when we're anxious, that we should pray. And many of us pray when we're anxious. Many of us though, also just get so wrapped up in what we're worried about, we just go on trying to figure out some way to rein it in, some way to control it, and we forget to even come to God in prayer. But what too often happens even when we do come to God in prayer when we're anxious? Well, we pray, but we start to think, well, we we hear all these religious ideas going through our head. Well, if I pray too specifically, maybe I'm getting in the way of God's will. I shouldn't pray for anything specific. I'll just say, God, please be with me and let good things happen or, or your will be done or something. And we stop because we think, if I actually bring the thing that I'm anxious about, I'm somehow not being faithful. Or, or we're just so distracted that we're not really focused on the prayer. That's where Paul is, is challenging us here, that, that we should come to prayer fully. We should really be focused on it when we're anxious. And when we do, we should not listen to that voice that says, well, don't be specific because you're boxing God in. God can take it. God wants us to actually come with the very thing that we're struggling with and what we're hoping for and what we're, we're fearful of and, and to set that before him. He's our Heavenly Father. He cares. And so it's okay not to be vague. In fact, it's better not to be vague. Because when we come to him in in this very vague sense, we're not even allowing God to demonstrate to us how he's working because we leave it so vague, it's hard to tell if he answered the prayer or not. He wants us to actually come with specifics. And if we look at the way that Paul words this, it sounds like he's sort of repeating himself, prayer, supplication, requests. What he's doing is building a case there. And when we read about supplication and requests, what he's using are terms that we would use, for example, if we approached another human being and said, Here's something I need you to do. He's talking about specifics here. And And it's it's okay to come to God with those. In fact, we should. You know what happens when we start to actually bring the specific things that we're wrestling with to God? We start to feel some of his comfort because we're talking to him. We're in relationship to him. It doesn't immediately fix everything, but we start to actually deal with the real thing with God. And here's what's important about that. When we start to deal with the real things that are burdening us with God, we can start to see when he's working. And when we start to see how God's working, we start to feel more confident that he's going to continue to work. And that's what he wants us to feel. We think back to Pastor Tim Crenning preaching a few weeks ago on one of our Sunday night services about anxiousness and what Jesus says about it in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew, chapter six, verses 25 to 34. Beautiful, wonderful verses. What's the main thrust of what Jesus is saying there? Well, he's saying, look at how God cares for his creation. He cares for the birds and he cares for the flowers. If he cares for them, he cares for us. God wants us to sense his care. He wants us to feel his care. It's not, well, how dare you have any doubts? How dare you have any fear? How dare you have any anxiousness? God's saying is, I want you to see how I'm working in your life. That I love you, that I'm with you. He wants us to use prayer as a way to escape our fears. And we're not going to do that if we're giving these very general, vague prayers that never actually address what we're struggling with. I like what Jay Bengal says about prayer and anxiousness. He says, anxiety and prayer are more opposed to each other than fire and water. And when Paul's talking here about bringing specific requests to God, what he's saying is you can bring the very thing that you're struggling with, let God bring the fire extinguisher of prayer to the anxiety that's burning in your life. What, do, what does this process look like? Because you might say, well, I've been praying and I still feel anxious. Well, let's look at verse 6 again. Notice what Paul says here. He says that, that we're going to come with everything, second part of the verse everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving we're going to let those requests be made known by God he wants us to actually bring the things that we're struggling with to him that that it's not just come with some prayers come sounding religious but come with the actual knowledge that God is with us that's what we're seeing in this verse and as he says that what does he want us to do he wants us to know that, that he's there with us. Let's think about these words more so we, so you can say, well, this is actually what scripture is saying, because I bet you're thinking, but I've heard people say, I'm just too fearful. I'm not trusting in God. I'm not being faithful enough. And now you're saying that, no, God is willing to deal with these things. Is that really what this is saying? Take a look at these words. We have three words, four words actually going on here. First, we have prayer. And we have supplication, then thanksgiving, and then requests. Now, prayer is a word, the, the pr- word being translated there, is a word applied strictly to coming before the divine, coming before God and, and conversing with him. It's worshipful. We're coming before God and acknowledging, you're God and I'm coming to talk to you. Supplication, though, then says, but we can do that in a way that's actually bringing our needs to him. God's not going to look at us as being selfish if we do. If we're, there's something that, that we're anxious about, we can bring that exact thing to God. It's okay to, to do that. Now, it almost seems like we take a 90-degree a turn here, though. Then we have Thanksgiving. And when when Paul refers to Thanksgiving, he's saying... We, we should do this, but we need to do it grounded in God's goodness. It's like what we were talking about if you were with us last night at service, talking about reviewing the, the faithfulness of God. And if we're feeling anxious, what we see in Exodus, we're reading together last night is so good for that and encourage you to go back and think about those passages. But what it's doing is, is when we come to God and we actually say, okay, now I'm going to think about what I'm thankful for, what I'm thankful for and what you're doing, God. It's not saying, well, I need to make that so much bigger than what I'm feeling right now. And you think, but I can't do that because I'm so anxious. What it's saying is that I need to keep focused on the fact that God is faithful. Because that is really the heart of where we become anxious is when we start to lose sight that God is faithful. And, And so God is patient with us. If we look at scripture over and over again, he reminds the people, here's how I've been faithful to you in the past. And he's not doing that so that the people feel beholden to him. The reason he's doing that is so that the people understand they can trust him, that he is with us. He's still with us today. And so why do we go to Thanksgiving and prayer? Well, we should be thankful and we should be worshiping God. But it's also a part of how God wants to dialogue with us and help take away the anxiousness that we feel. When we're grounded in God's goodness, whether it's thinking back to how he saved us or thinking what he's done, Whereas people over the ages are thinking about how he connects us together as a church family or whatever it might be. When we do those things, it gives us encouragement to realize that as we bring those supplications and bring those requests, that fourth word that Paul has there to God, that he actually can do something. It's not saying, well, in, in light of, of what we're thankful for, now we realize that the things we're anxious about aren't important. Or that we should just go and just ignore anything that ever worries us it's saying let's refocus and understand that god's big enough to handle the things that we're bringing to him now this has been terribly misinterpreted at times throughout church history and it's being terribly misinterpreted even in certain segments today and I was reminded thinking about this uh, of something that's happened over the last few hundred years in American Christianity, and that's this practice. It doesn't happen very often, but there's certain groups that still do it today, a snake handle and you you read about. God rescuing people, even from snake bites in scripture. And, and some people said, well, if we're truly faithful and we're not going to be anxious, that means we can take venomous snakes and we can, we can actually pick them up and hold them and even antagonize them. And, and God's going to be faithful. We shouldn't let fear take over on us. We, we're going to be faithful. We're not going to be anxious. We're, we're listening to Paul here. Apparently, there was a reality TV show on the National Geographic channel about a snake handler. It was called Snake Salvation, and it showed him going and finding different poisonous, excuse me, venomous snakes around the country and then handling them in his church. 1995, in his church, a woman was bit by one of those snakes and died, but they didn't do anything to try to, to help her in the process because it was thought she needs to just have enough faith not to die from this snake bite. And then in 2014, the pastor himself, the star of this reality show, died of a snake bite. He refused medical care. The paramedics arrived in time, but he refused medical care. His family refused medical care because they thought that faithfulness meant not being anxious about this, not being fearful of the snake. And in fact, God sometimes makes us fearful of things because we should be fearful of them. I don't want to run into a rattlesnake. Why not? Because that snake may bite me. And if that snake bites me and I don't get proper medical care, I very well may die. And that's not a lack of faith. That's simply the reality of this fallen, broken world. So when Paul commands us not to be anxious and we start working through this process of prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, is it talking about not taking care, not saying, not using proper precautions, not not being careful in dangerous situations, is that what it's talking about? No, not at all. And I'm so sad when I see people misuse these passages in Scripture to imply that. Over the last few years, I've seen a lot of people refer to 2 Timothy 1.17 in this sort of context. And if we look at First 1 Timothy one seventeen, what's it saying to us? Well, First 1 Timothy one seventeen, you, you probably weren't sure when I quoted it what it was, I was referring to, and yet when you actually look at it, what do we find here? We find a passage that's talking about what God has given us, and Paul says to Timothy, God has not given us a spirit of timidity, or it may be in your translation, for God has. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Now, I don't know about you, I've seen a lot of people quote this, and it usually is in this sense, you noticed at first I said timidity, that's a better translation of the word, but it's often used exactly as in the passage I put up on screen, fear God has not given us a spirit of fear, and that's used to say, well, we shouldn't worry about anything. we shouldn't use proper precautions on things because god if we're if we're being confident in God, we don't need to worry. we just should have power and love and self-control. but notice those phrases because a lot of times when I see this passage misused, I don't see very much love, I see power, but Paul says power and love, because what we need to be doing is focused, we need to be focused still on God. This is where it all comes down to. We're focused on God and what is God doing? Well, he's loving us and he's calling us to love other people and self-control. That means we hold ourselves back at times and that can be self-control towards other people or situations. Why? Because we're called to actually use the heads that God has given us to be careful in situations that are dangerous. Not being anxious doesn't mean being careless. And that's a a terribly unfortunate misapplication when people apply it that way. What Paul is saying here is not that we never should worry or we should never try to use our own minds and ingenuity. There were times that Paul had to escape and they used ingenious ways to do so. There were other times where, where God enabled his people to escape out of the hands of an enemy and not just allow the person, say, to stab them with a sword and say, well, I'm faithful, so it's not going to kill me. Sometimes the things that make us anxious are real and dangerous and should worry us. Well, what do we do? We, we have confidence that God is with us in them and that through the gifts that he's given us in our, in our intellect and in the help of people around us, and sometimes in the miraculous, but we shouldn't always be demanding that. Pharisees demanded that Jesus and he denied them that at times because God doesn't want us to view him as some kind of provider of magical sideshows. He wants us actually to look to him and have a relationship with him. But using all these different things that God's given us and and we start to remember those as we, we show thankfulness to God, what do we do? We start to rediscover Jesus's peace and that's what we see in verse seven and this is really the the part we need to hang on to tonight paul says in the peace of god which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in christ jesus god's peace is going to guard us and maybe we just go flying over that phrase we don't really think about guarding but the phrase used for guarding here It's a military metaphor. It's the sort of phrase that would have been very familiar to the Philippians because they lived in a town where an army garrison was stationed and they were used to being guarded. They were used to that phrase being used. And so this is not just Paul randomly using a nice phrase. He's saying, think about the power of the Roman army. And certainly no one at that time doubted the power of the Roman army. You know what it's like to be guarded. Well, God's peace guards you like that. When you're feeling anxious, and you're trying to think, is God with me in something? His peace is guarding us like the strongest army in the world, because in fact, God's love is stronger than any army in the world. Paul goes even further in Colossians 3.15, where he says that Jesus' peace rules over us, that as the king, his peace is kingly and royal over us. It's in control, far more control than the emperor ever had over the Roman Empire. God's plans go far beyond what we can imagine. That's what we see in in Ephesians chapter three, verse 20. Paul says, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. God can do more than we can imagine. And sometimes we, we find ourselves in these anxious situations and we think, I don't know how this is going to work out. And then it doesn't seem to be working out. We pray for someone that their health would get better and it gets worse. Sometimes we pray for people and they actually die. Sometimes we pray that we can keep our job and we lose it. We think, it doesn't seem like it's far more than I can imagine that God's providing. It seems like a lot less. But see, in those moments, we're we're looking at all the minerals in that pyrite that are useless. And we're missing all the gold inside of it. And that's not to say the problems aren't real. It's not to say the pain isn't real. Not at all. Scripture never says that. But rather, we turn to what God is doing ultimately, and in that we know that even in the situations that we can't imagine how this could possibly be for good, that someday God will wipe away our tears. And all starts because he has saved us. Romans 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice where this piece is situated. It isn't situated in the momentary things that make make us anxious being made perfectly right, but it's rather in the fact that Jesus has brought salvation to us so that we know that no matter how bad things get in a given moment, that God is with us, and that at the end of our lives, we go into God's presence and we will dwell there for eternity in a situation that finally is made right, that everything is how we hoped. That, that just as, as God's peace now guards us as we find ourselves trusting in him, that, that that salvation rescued us from being guarded instead by the condemnation of the law. That's where we really should be anxious, that, that our sin should be pulling us and, and in our lives is pulling us away from God, but God overcomes that. That we're not guarded by the law anymore. We're not guarded by sin anymore, but where are we guarded? We're guarded by God's peace. We're guarded by the, the love of the Heavenly Father. Sometimes it doesn't feel like that. We, we look at God and think, but God's so angry at me. I'm so anxious. I'm so fearful. And God says in those moments, no, come and bring those things to me. I want to hear the specifics of what's making you fearful because you're my son, you're my daughter, and I love you. The context changes everything about how we relate to God when we're anxious and how we hear, do not be anxious. Why shouldn't we be anxious? Well, the more we get to know what God is doing, the less reason we have to be anxious not about a command to somehow well up faith in ourselves and be okay. It's about understanding the context of where our lives and even the things that are genuinely troubling in our lives are situated, They're situated in, in a realm that if we trust in Jesus as our Lord, we know he will be triumphant over it. A few months ago I was talking about what happens to me as I'm driving down the road. And, and I'm, I would imagine most of you have had this experience where we're driving down the road and we're obeying all the laws and yet we see a police car behind us and we start to feel a little nervous you start to think oh i make i need to make sure to turn my blinkers on i need to make sure to slow down at the proper speed bit stoplights. So, oh i hope i didn't swerve a little bit oh i i accidentally bumped the steering wheel he's gonna think i'm drunk oh no i'm gonna do this oh i'm going down a hill am i going a little over the speed limit or am i gonna drive too slowly and he's gonna think there's something wrong what am i going to do and we feel that kind of a fear because in that context all we can think about is this person has the power to arrest me or ticket me but in a different situation things change for example if you get lost and you realize you're in in a place where it's sort of dangerous and and your your little fuel light comes on and it's the middle of the night and you pull into a gas station you're feeling kind of anxious you think i have no idea where i am i don't know if i'm safe And then you you notice there, as you pull into the pump, who's getting gas at the other end of the station? It's a police car. Well, in that situation, it suddenly isn't, oh, he might arrest me. Oh, he might ticket me. It's sort of, oh, I'm safe. There's someone who's in control, someone who's there to protect me. He's there when I'm scared, and he's the one that's going to make sure that that criminals don't try to steal from me, that I, I can safely put the fuel in my car, and I'll go on my way. It's all about context. And a lot of times we we think God is in that patrol car getting ready to look for that little spot where anxiousness pops up. And he's going to pull us over and say, I'm writing you a ticket that means I don't want anything to do with you because you're anxious. What we need to realize is that no, and all this anxiousness is pulling at us. All these these dangerous situations, all these troubling situations, all these things we just don't know what to do, all these things that are attacking us, we're pulling in with that fuel light on, we're feeling completely exhausted, but there is God's love police car right there to protect us through it. He's with us. And it gives us freedom. He gives us freedom to know that he is with us. Freedom to then deal with the things ahead of us. And then to share that with others. One more passage tonight. Actually, it's not there. I'm just going to mention it, which is Isaiah 26, 1 to 3. You should go read it because it's really beautiful. And it says this in paraphrase. It says that the God, the God of all the universe, who's chosen his people, is going to provide them with peace, but then welcome all the nations into that peace. Now, what does that mean for us? Well, if, if you're not a descendant of Abraham, if you're not Jewish, it means that you're part of those nations that would get welcomed in once God gave peace to his people. But once you come in, then you're part of God's people. And then what are we called to do? We're called to be agents of that peace. who offer it to those around us. To share that peace with others. Would you pray with me tonight that we could do that? Father, Oftentimes we're so wrapped up in anxiousness, the last thing we we can think about is giving other people peace. We can't even get peace ourselves, and yet, Lord, would you help us to bring the things that burden us to you, knowing that you are with us, that we can offer peace to others and experience peace in our own lives, that we would know as we trust in you that you are faithful. We pray this in the precious name of our Savior, Jesus. Amen. I hope this encouraged you tonight, and if it did, would you give us a like and a share? As you share this video on your Facebook page, on your Twitter account, as you email it to people, what are you doing? You're saying someone who may be struggling with anxiousness. Hey, God's word speaks to that, and it's not the things you've heard that just put more burdens on you. It's God's love, and we all need to hear that. We also need to spend time in prayer and and on March 9th, we're going to have another one of our prayer walks. It's always a wonderful time. You can spend just a few minutes or all day, whatever you'd like to do watching it. It's live streaming, you can bring prayer requests and it will have prompts and devotionals to help us to pray for people around us, to pray for our communities and our world. I encourage you to join us at least for part of that day. If there's any way I can be encouraging to you tonight, feel free to to shoot us a text at the number you see on screen, 833-356. 4032. It'd be great to hear from you. I hope you have a wonderful and blessed week and I'll see you again very soon.